Leah Tabbitts in Kirikiriroa, Hamilton, with some big news this week from Marlborough. Hi Sally. Yes, Thursday this week marked the 50th anniversary of the first planting of commercial grapevines in what's regarded as the home of Sauvignon Blanc. Fast forward to the present day and New Zealand is now the world's sixth largest exporter of wine by value, with 78% of the wine produced coming out of sunny Marlborough. So how was the event celebrated? Local journalist and author Tessa Anderson launched her new book 50 Years, 50 Stories on the site where late pioneer and founder of Montana Wines, Frank Jukic, first turned more than 1,600 hectares of farmland into vineyards in 1973. A lot of people sort of say, you know, what's going to happen to Melbourne now? We've been so phenomenally successful in 50 years. And we have to remember that Marlborough is the size of Champagne in France. That's what I'd hope for Marlborough in the future, that we get higher prices for our wine so that the growers all remain financially sustainable. And I also think it's quite phenomenal where we're at when you think that Champagne is centuries years old. We're 50. And you have an update for us on the Woolen School story, Leah. Well, a number of rural school principals are fundraising to purchase New Zealand wool carpets themselves. You'll remember the government's plan is to outfit 800 schools with synthetic flooring tiles that are due for upgrading. North Canterbury Rotherham school principal Cheryl Barbara says her school was part of the renovation programme but was told if they refused the synthetic option they couldn't access this portion of the funding for wool carpet. So how's she finding the funds to make this happen? Miss Barbara contacted carpet maker Bremworth, which was happy to help. She says the school board will have quotes to consider and Rotherham isn't the only school taking action. To a rural principals group, so they, they put out a survey and yeah, 80% of the people said that they would rather go with wool carpet rather than getting the synthetic tile. The school does a lot of fundraising during the year, so we'll be using funds from those to pay for it. You know, we are in a small rural community. At the moment, we're teaching our kids about the benefits of wool. It just goes against everything that we're teaching the kids about sustainability. What did you hear from the carpet manufacturer? Cavalier Bremworth's chief executive, Greg Smith, says schools that are due to replace their existing flooring will get a subsidy equivalent to at least 30% of the cost. And he says he doesn't understand the Ministry of Education's decision when the government has a strong sustainability goal. Now, Zespri's taking ownership of some serious fruit quality issues last year. The kiwi fruit exporter admits it was not nimble enough to deal with poor quality fruit late last year, which is estimated to have cost half a billion dollars. Chief Executive Dan Matheson apologised to growers at the annual meeting this week, saying that mistakes flowed through to giving growers an incorrect steer on the mid-season financial forecast guidance, an error which resulted in Zespri not paying expected fruit payments for some months. So what does that mean moving forward? Mr Matheson says some quality issues came from the orchard and packhouse operators too and it's pleasing to see all parts of the supply chain can improve performance this season. However, he says they're still receiving too much fruit that's failing to meet Zespri's standards and while that's frustrating for growers, the company will not compromise on quality. Now, a decade-long study has shown native-burdened insect species were able to thrive where the poison 1080 was dropped from the air. Researchers from Victoria University tracked bird and insect populations in the Rimataka and Aurangi ranges before, during and after three 1080 drops were used. 
they found populations of native pihipihi, silver eye and weta grew while introduced species like blackbirds decreased when possums, rats, rabbits and stoats were controlled. Co-author and associate professor Stephen Hartley says while the pesticide is biodegradable and effective, he understands why some New Zealanders hold views against the use of poison in nature. I mean, it is a poison, so it has to be used carefully, but everything I've seen shows me it is used carefully and that the the targets, which is the possums and uh, rats, they're very effectively controlled and on the whole bird life benefits from the control of those, as does insect life. Now, animal rights groups oppose the use of 1080 in natural environments, don't they? They do. However, Stephen Hartley says it's about protecting native biodiversity and wildlife and, of course, meeting the predator-free by 2050 goal. Why are farmers being warned to avoid blanket drenching their stock for internal parasites? Well, the problem of drench-resistant worms continues to increase. North Canterbury vet Alistair Kenyon says plenty of farmers have worms and they are surviving, despite increasingly stronger drugs being used. He says farmers need to be strategic about how they use medication to control parasites, which are not only a problem for sheep, but increasingly for cattle as well. It's an area that we're really working hard in to try and reduce medicine usage overall. The days of of using a blanket drench approach on all stock classes is fast approaching an end. We need to preserve these medicines while they still have effectiveness. Alistair Kenyon is urging farmers not to drench stock in good condition at the same time they dose those which are obviously riddled with worms. And fewer bobby calves are flowing through the meatworks than expected, Leah. What's behind that? So Fonterra introduced new rules in June, which state the male calves, a byproduct of the dairy industry, have to enter a value stream and could no longer be killed on farm. There were concerns in the industry this would cause a backlog at meat processing plants, but AgriHQ senior analyst Mel Crowd says that hasn't eventuated. Yes, it just means that those early estimates from the dairy industry um, are possibly a little off the mark, um, or it is confirmation that more calves are actually being reared on dairy farms this year. And lastly, Leah, the call's gone out for more people to farm cashmere goats. It comes as a newly opened lower hut processing factory has the capacity to turn cashmere fleeces into fibre, which is sold at top dollar offshore. New Zealand cashmere business development manager Olivia Sanders says cashmere goats are a great investment on farms and the market demand for cashmere is booming. Currently the fibre returns are between $110 and $150 a kilo, so that's obviously wonderful. However, the goat brings so much more to the farming system than just the fibre and that fibre return. They actually really love weeds. They'll target weeds, seed head particularly. They'll target those different species than your cattle or your sheep will. That's all from me, Sally. Enjoy the weekend. Kia ora. You're listening to Country Life on RNZ National. 101 FM.